Episode 14 Love There is no other English word that is more impactful than this simple four-letter word. In every language ever devised, love always seems to be defined as the greatest good in our universe. Love inspires great works of creation and mastery. It makes way for altruistic acts, brings about the best kinds of changes in our world, and is responsible for everything that we know to be good. What is love anyways? After dating for several months, after rekindling a friendship that was started years previously, as we sat on a love seat in front of a gas fireplace, I looked at my then girlfriend and in my thoughts and out of my mouth came, I don't know how else to express how I feel about you other than admit that indeed I love you. As I had gotten to know her through precious time we had spent together without much physical entanglement in the pursuit of developing a relationship that transcended mere fleshly desires, I had concluded that the best word that sufficiently fit my emotions towards her, and further still, the very best choice I could make in my life, was to love this woman that was allowing me to know her heart. So the strong emotions towards my then-girlfriend led to the choice of loving her. But this process could also be reversed, as in, the choice to love her could indeed produce strong emotions towards those we love. How can we adequately describe or define love? Hello, and welcome to CFD. It is the honor of my life to be on this journey, and as a driver picks up some hitchhikers along the way towards a similar destination, so do I welcome you all on board as we continue along with the journey of discovering who God is and what it means to be a Christian, as it is written. If you noticed, episode 13 is missing, and that is because that number is reserved in dedication to my newborn son who is now currently peacefully sleeping in my arms as I pen these words. Let us begin. Why CFD? Why ins- the, the insistence sorry, of priceless wealth of every human? Why the Bible? Why God and His Spirit? Why this journey at all? These and many other questions continue to propel us on ever greater heights of what is written. We continue to ask the toughest questions on our minds and then get our answers from what is written, but sometimes also from supporting literature from worldly sources. I established that the Bible is the only source of authority regarding all universal matters as it adequately gives an answer to every question asked. Furthermore, the worth attributed to every human being is not given by mankind himself, but by the one who created them in his own image 
Thus, no one can take away anyone's worth. But Sam, you may ask, doesn't the world, or more precisely, humans, place worth on each and every person? Some people to be highly esteemed, while others to be senselessly murdered and discarded? For sure, and again, this is a phenomenon that we will continue to understand much of in light of what is written. In the previous episodes, we have visited and explored concepts of the creation event as it was written thousands of years before our time and therefore contain claims to which there was no scientific understanding, thus showing us that a being much more intelligent or properly asserted here, infinitely more powerful and wise, and who was there before the beginning and is not contained in space-time, was the master architect of what we see and even that we don't see. As we read what is written in the scriptures, we continued allowing the scriptures themselves to explain themselves just as we follow assembly or operational manuals and instructions in order to build or put together something designed by another. We are refraining from making any claims that are outside of the scriptures as we cannot adequately accredit truth to any material written by the human hand because we constantly need to evaluate motives. There are many reasons people put information out there, especially in our technologically advanced age, and so I continue to emphasize the importance of not only questioning everything you find, but also by finding out for yourself what is fundamentally truth and then acting upon that truth. What is truth? We will find out as we read on. But for our purposes, truth is objective and the complete opposite of lie or untrue. So in essence, truth contains all verifiable facts, facts that are irrefutable and transcend our worldly views. Lies, on the other hand, are untruths or adulterated truths that mislead the ones exposed to them. How can you tell the difference between truths and lies? I'm looking forward to finding out about this great enigma. In the meantime, we again see a world wonderfully, systematically, and intricately made, and then all nature dancing to the carefully choreographed laws and to the tunes of the one who gives life to all. Man's appearance in this serene world doesn't seem purposeful on the surface, especially given the context of the world we now find ourselves in. The all-knowing mind of the Creator almost appears coerced by His love nature to create like beings that may also enjoy creation as He does. What a wonderful revelation! Not needing to add anything else in creation, God decides that He wanted you and I to exist and not only thrive in co-creating, but also have dominion over all creation. 
dominion or sovereignty or control all uh, is an all-encompassing word pardon me that is used to describe dominance or complete authority many nations of the world used scriptures as their foundations in establishing rulership or kingship of a vast lands for good or for word or for bad pardon this word describes headship or leadership over its intended subjects for our purposes mankind fashioned after god's very image is allowed to be the all-encompassing authoritative ruler and utterly in charge of all that was created perfectly when considering the hebrew implication of this word then the conclusion showed should be that man was not only intimately connected to the nature he was given dominion over but was also ultimately in charge of what would happen to that nature in a correlated relationship that is to say that if man was a great steward of all that is placed under his complete control so would nature flourish on the other hand if man was to forego his special duties to tend and to care for all that is placed under him then consequently nature would naturally follow suit nature was completely entwined and subjected to the choices man made just as a king is sorely responsible for his kingdom's subjects actions for good or for bad it was almost as if god had created this entire seen and unseen universe for his enjoyment but then had decided to share this creation with all those he had created but more importantly with mankind made in his image such a profound mystery in order to be balanced in my narrative not everyone ascribes to this definition of mankind's worth and being made in the image of god some may readily enjoy the fruits from the trees and all kinds of plants that we need to survive all the while utterly denying the existence of god some go as far as and again this is the commonly agreed narrative in our world today being taught in the most of our educational institutions to their highest level that we are simply animals that evolved over time to be at the top of the food chain and with complete dominion over creation so in a sense willing to enjoy the rights without the responsibilities Now why would some people as I've mentioned be so hostile towards the prescribed word of every human ever conceived as it is written Let us not speculate too much but allow the scriptures to shed light on this world view However I hereby suggest that motives should be carefully considered as there is a reason for everything that happens in our world we do not find ourselves in a meaningless world we will explore this topic further as well 
as we read along. So God created people in his own image. God pardoned them after himself. Male and female, he created them. My wife and I welcomed our firstborn, and now in my arms I hold an infant, the product of the love bond between my wife and I, expressed into this little tiny human being. I cannot adequately express all my emotions and feelings towards both my wife as well as my newborn. Mere words do not do justice to the sense of obligation I have regarding taking all necessary steps towards protecting, providing, and taking the role of headship and spiritual guide for my family with utmost seriousness. In essence, I am willing to lay or give up my very life for the sake of my wife and child. Never before would I have been completely sure of this fact. Let's consider for a moment cells and the human DNA. According to the U.S. National Library of Medicine, we are told the cells are the basic building blocks of all living things. The human body is composed of trillions of cells. These cells provide structures for the body take in nutrients from food, convert those nutrients into energy, and carry out specialized functions. Cells also contain the body's hereditary material and can make copies of themselves. Cells have many parts, each with a different function. Some of these parts, called organelles, or little organs, are specialized structures that perform certain tasks within the cell. Human cells contain the following major parts, cytoplasm, cytoskeleton, endoplasmic reticulum, Golgi apparatus, lysosomes, and peroxisomes, mitochondria, nucleus, plasma membrane, and ribosomes. Each one of these organelles are mind-boggling in their complexity, versatility, functionality, and efficiency, and are all contained in a structure that is so minute you need high-powered microscopes in order to identify and study them. There are those who dedicate their entire lives in understanding this field of science and it would bring much fulfillment to anyone now listening to go on a research detour of their own. I, however, want to mention one part of the cell that is absolutely fascinating, the nucleus. So the nucleus is the cell's command center sending directions to the cell to grow, divide, or even die. The nucleus also houses DNA or dioxyribonucleic acid, which is the cell's hereditary material. The nucleus is surrounded by a membrane called the nuclear envelope, 
which protects the DNA and separates the nucleus from the rest of the cell. How do you picture a command center? What does the command center at NASA, for example, look like? Do you think a command center could bring itself forth without an intelligent mind at the controls? DNA is the hereditary material in humans and almost all other organisms. Nearly every cell in a person's body has the same DNA. Most DNA is located in the cell's nucleus where it is called nuclear DNA, but a small amount of DNA can also be found in the mitochondria DNA. Mitochondria are structures within cells that convert the energy from food into a form the cells can use. The information in DNA is stored as a code made up of four chemical bases, adenine, A, guanine, G, cytosine, C, and thiamine, T. The human DNA consists of about 3 billion bases, and more than 99% of those bases are the same in all people. The order or sequence of these bases determines the information available for building and maintaining an organism similar to the way in which letters of the alphabet appear in a certain order to perform words and sentences. DNA bases pair up with each other a with T and C with G to form units called base pairs. Each base is also attached to a sugar molecule and a phosphate molecule. Together, a base, sugar, and phosphate, phosphate sorry, are called nucleotides. Nucleotides are arranged in two long strands that form a spiral called a double helix. The structure of the double helix is somewhat like a ladder with the base pairs forming the ladder's rungs and the sugar and phosphate molecules forming the vertical side pieces of the ladder. An important property of DNA is that it can replicate or make copies of itself. Each strand of DNA in the double helix can serve as a, as a pardon for duplicating the sequence of bases. This is critical when cells divide because each new cell needs to have an exact copy of the DNA present in the old cell. Again, all the above mentioned information is sourced from the U.S. National Library of Medicine and is also available in numerous books as well as internet sources. Our school systems, along with research bodies, have and continue to perform an exceptional job in uncovering all the worldly mysteries we find in all creation. What appears today as simple or useless parts of our universe, tomorrow may be considered the greatest findings in all our world 
as we continue to learn more. For anyone interested, there is enough information now about this field of study to last anyone many lifetimes in continued discovery. For anyone simply considering life forms as worthless or with little value, your understanding of life as we continue to learn about is wildly limited, and if you are well versed in the complexity of our life and still deny the earther of life, then surely it is towards your own demise as the evidence speaks for itself. One of the reasons that we have been so successful in persecuting lawbreakers is by the forensic scientists' use of the information we continue to collect regarding our DNA. Upon finding a reliable universal formula that can be studied, understood, and applied in order to advance our knowledge of our known and unknown universe, surely could we then conclude that mankind has excuses as to which they could hold in order to deny an almighty creator? This may remain a rhetorical question or can be answered by whomever the soul wishes. Molecules, atoms, protons and neutrons, which are the elements involved in supporting all life, are subjects that are among the cutting edge of current studies and some of you who are much more knowledgeable about this subject than I could further provide insight on what their implications are in light of our lives. The sperm, which is the male sex cell, combines with the female's ovum, which is the female's sex cell, in order to form a zygote. Could we deduce that these cells by themselves are humanoids? I don't think so. Just as I wouldn't say that an arm is a human. Now, they both have life within themselves, but also both need outside sources of life in order to keep them alive. When the sperm cell and the ovum cell, however, come together in conception or fertilization, they instantaneously and immediately begin to form what becomes you and I. So let me here qualify that I am at the camp, or I am for the camp, of those who believe that human life begins at the point of contact between an ovum and a sperm. There are those who will not like my stand and those also who will produce much proof as to why we should not consider human, the egg and sperm that meet together in fertilization. And I am okay with that. Everyone has the fundamental right and freedom to believe whatever they want, but with also the responsibility of viewing all life as sacred and worthy of existence. We all now in our fingertips have ever-current information regarding the beginnings of life, and then we're all left with the choice of establishing our worldviews regarding this topic. 
there may have been an age and time when children were only considered humans after birth, but I believe with all the information we currently possess, in my humble opinion, the case should be put to rest regarding when life begins, especially when pertaining to humans. Moments after conception, the two cells begin splitting and multiplying using the instructions encoded in their DNA while ensuring that each cell contains the entire gene pool from mom and dad. When considering just how complex each organelle is, along with all the chemicals and elements that have to work in perfect unison, each with its specific mission, the intelligence within nature is undeniable for several reasons. Number one, again I will ask, can all this highly complex information come about on its own? Do we have any evidence of highest levels of intelligence from the smallest atoms to space-time itself along with all matter coming together from a state of nothingness? Do we have anything, let alone complex life, come from nothing? If these complex life structures were, for argument's sakes, to appear, what would cause them to be formed in such a way that we can study them? Why would highly complex information that comes from nothing be intelligible to us? How can we possibly find out the constant laws of nature and then use these stable same laws to advance technologically to the levels we see now? How come comprehensible information we can and do use? You mean life came about by random chance and cell mutations of what did not exist that existed in order to form of however many billions of years you ascribe, the brain that now in a large way understands all the complex information that came from nothing then arranged themselves to the very laws of nature and life like we now know it? Does these statements sound nonsensible to anyone else? Can a clay pot tell its sculptor you used the wrong clay and made me wrong. Number three, at the heart of the matter, why is it so hard to believe what is written in the scriptures? Moving forward, let us all examine our hearts so as to ensure that the truth we think we hold really is indeed truth as truth sets us free. When I consider that my son, handsome as he is now, with his little body parts and life coursing within him, I can't help recall that like each and every one of us, he started out as a blob of a couple of cells that with highly intelligent set of instructions managed to not only decode that information but also did a miraculous job putting it all together to create a perfect specimen 
of a person made in the very image of God. What is the image of God in my son? I will continue seeking the simple answer to this question, but in the meantime, I will simply believe what is written and use that as the foundation on which to ensure that my son's life is viewed as priceless with an inherent mission that only he can complete and is made in the very image of God. Everything else I find out that's written or is purely scientific and factual in its claim, then will simply add on to my resolve. We are not yet told of how God formed Adam and Eve, but it's 100% okay to conclude that simple as it may have been from an almighty being's perspective, this is indeed an information-filled wonder of life. To an almighty being, nothing is impossible as we're continuing to see. Every statement that is written contained a seemingly infinite pool of information, but concealed while also being revealed in the simplest of ways. The game, Simon says, demands that the participants do whatever the designated leader suggests, and if the leader says to do something without the invocation of the phrase Simon says, participants are out of the game if they perform said action. In a simple way, this game could be used to express the divine will of God towards his nature and mankind, as in, if God were to say to do something, then you ought to do it, and if he were to tell you not to do something, then you ought to obey that command. If another voice contradicts or corrupts what is said by God, then it would serve as well not to listen. Finally, what is love? An online dictionary tells me that love is an intense feeling of deep affection. There are apparent eight different types of love, namely philia, which is affectionate love, Philia is love without romantic attraction and occurs between friends or family members. Pragma, which is enduring love. Storge, which is familiar love. Eros, which is romantic love. Ludus, which is playful love. Mania, which is obsessive love. Philantia, which is self-love, and agape, which is selfless love. One of the most extensive definitions of love can actually be found on Wikipedia, and this is by no means an endorsement for this site's credibility on all subjects. I am simply stating that in a general sense, this is not a bad site to begin your query on what love is, and actually, it's a good starting point for any beginner researcher. However, always be wary of where you get your definitions and information in a general sense. So, Wikipedia states that love 
encompasses a range of strong and positive emotional and mental states from the most sublime virtue of good habits to the deepest interpersonal affection and to the simplest pleasures. An example of this range of meanings is that the love of a mother differs from the love of a spouse, which differs from the love of food. Most commonly, love refers to a feeling of strong attraction and emotional attachment. I presume for our purposes that we may postulate that God's love is an all-encompassing, purest in its form, and unconditional love otherwise known as agape in Greek. This kind of love may be too great for even us humans to understand as we find ourselves at the heart of hearts, selfish, and even though we may project a perfect ulterior, it is only our Creator that intimately knows our interior. If the most objective definition of love can be found, then I am convinced that love is actually God-defined. Maybe the image, therefore, being widely debated, is at its roots simply love. Love, therefore, becomes the single most influential aspect of our lives as it is only humans that can understand this concept of love and even putting it into practice by exercising it, bring forth the very best that humanity has to offer. God's image, the love stamp on each and every one of us, transcends every other quality of our existence. Love is the driving force to everything good. It is the engine propelling us to be our best selves, and at the heart of it, it is God's own image on you and I. Love, however, is also a choice. It demands self-sacrifice for the sake of others, altruism instead of selfishness, humility instead of pride, obedience instead of rebellion, faith instead of doubt, courage instead of fear, hope instead of despair, and above all, it demands that we consider our Maker while we are still alive, as it is His image we bear and His legacy which is implanted into each of us. As I hold my son in my arms as he peacefully sleeps, I am utterly and completely in love with him. Different love than that I have for my wife and family and my friends, but I believe the strongest form of love, I suppose, agape. When, in a small way, I consider every pressing moment of his life and can even time-lapse in my mind from the moment of his conception through the forming of each cell as it split making copies of itself, then passing on that information to the next cell and the next and the next resulting in the beautifully complex collection of trillions of cells that then continued to come together to intricately form each of his body parts, I am left with 
no words. Through glimpses of an ultrasound, in a very simple way, I could see his forming body. And since my wife and I decided to keep the gender a surprise, we would not know he was a boy until his birth. This child continued to form for months with each passing moment producing ever so precious complex structures within him that would ultimately help him survive outside his mother's enclosure in the womb while in a highly complex system intricately designed to work in a range of oh, sorry intricately designed to work in tangent and in a well orchestrated manner my son's nourishment was provided to him while waste was expelled through his mother the placenta the uterus and the umbilical cord which i later cut permanently physically separating mother from child so my son could now exist on his own with two loving parents at his side were all indes- in- indescribable sorry were all indispensable in my baby's growth we can point out even at genetic levels what happens when things go wrong in gene mutations and such fast forward into the future and even though right now my son is totally dependent on his mother and i to care for him on the outside the most complex of processes are actually happening on the inside of him maybe the greatest one being the billions of neurons firing in his brain cells and the central nervous system that side of construction is completely out of our hands so in some way god gave us the parts he designed for us to play while establishing and maintaining the life that is now inside my son god gave all his creation a potential of bearing each after its kind and with different levels of responsibilities how then sam do some couples find themselves barren we will answer this as well as many many other tough complex questions that continue to make us doubt of this awesome almighty and all-loving creator allowing for each and every wrong or bad thing that happens in our world to those blessed with conceiving or having children please love and cherish every moment you're blessed to have them no matter their condition love them unconditionally to those who cannot conceive the same god that put our entire universe together and gives and supports all life is neither blind nor deaf or remain aloof regarding your situation nothing is impossible with him so go on with the faith you find deep within you and to those farmers that feed the world the real farmers 
not the ones sold out to greed and profit. I pray that your harvest from each and every individual seed you plant be blessed and according to his divine creed, multiply and give much harvest each after its kind. Finally, for anyone wanting to believe what is written but has a hard time doing it, I simply ask that you stay the course with the scriptures as well as with CFD as we will continue to objectively and with love being our greatest motivation continue to learn who God is, what the Holy Spirit is all about, and for our purposes what it means to be a Christian. I want each one of you to know that before a single day of your life had gone by, it was God who had you in his mind. You are the object of his divine and unconditional love. Till next time, I love you, but God loves you much, much, much more. Be blessed.